welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 41. Man, we're getting, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, I need to deal with some ad stuff, but before I do that, I need to thank you because the Gail Porter episode, I record these a little bit in advance. It's the first time I've had a chance to address and thank you for this. The Gail Porter episodes went down insanely well, like mind-blowingly well. Um, it was amazing. It's the first time we've had um, over 100,000 downloads in a week. Um, and think about that for a second. If, you, if you've heard that podcast, then you'll know that we talk a lot about kind of a women's a rights and some of the, the, the restrictions put upon a women on part, in part one and part two. But also we talk a lot about mental health and depression and we talk about alopecia and we talk about some heavy subjects and those subjects have had a crowd bigger than the full capacity of Wembley Stadium. Let that sink in for a second. That's absolutely insane. Thank you so, so much. And that's come from you guys spreading it word of mouth. We don't have a marketing a budget here. We don't have a press team working the podcast. All the coverage we get is you guys sharing it with people and word of mouth. And if you look in, I've mentioned this before, but if you look in the top 10 on the iTunes chart, they're generally all the BBC or or big American companies and things like that. This podcast is just me and my mate a Warren uh, mixing and mastering it. And, and obviously the amazing guests each week. And then after that, the big power that is pushing us up there to compete with all these huge companies and, and industries is is you guys and your word of mouth. So thank you so much. I urge you um, to spread the word on this as regularly as you can. Uh, and it's easy to hear that and then ignore it because I, I used to listen, I've listened to tons of podcasts over the years and there was, I would spread the word on a, a lot of them because I'm that kind of nerd that wants everyone to know about the cool th- a thing that I've found. But um I'd, I'd ignore it as well. It's, it's one of the reasons that when I started this podcast, I talk about so many other podcasts intentionally and recommend so many other podcasts along the way to to spread the word and, and, and pay that love back. So yeah, if you can keep spreading the word, that would be amazing. And if we're speaking of people power and fan power, then Miss Amanda fucking Palmer is the one to, to discuss this. Um, but before we get into that, I need to mention the sponsor, Speech Development records.com that is my record label please go and check us out for just five pounds you can buy my edinburgh fringe show it's a fiver and it's a download you can get a two dvd set for 15 quid there's there's loads of good stuff there as you will have heard um a few or no as you're about to hear we've got some new distraction pieces exclusive t-shirts but i'm not even going to go into that yet that's going to be a hidden a little segment that tells you where you go and get them but yeah check out the oh check out the distraction cracking up what's going on very unprofessional check out the distraction pieces podcast what am i i've lost my words speechdevelopmentrecords.com i can only apologize for how sloppy this is but it's going to be made up for in a minute because i'm going to talk for an hour with the amazing miss amanda palmer um so honored and blessed to get to have this conversation she's she allowed me to come in um i mean we discussed how we met and how we've known each other but 
regardless of already knowing each other in advance, it was incredibly gracious of her to allow me to come and set up in her dressing room at the Union Chapel hours before she took the stage um, for her her second sold-out night there. Whilst heavily pregnant... Make no mistake about it. She's uh, she's heavily pregnant right now, so it was amazing to get to talk to her. And the chat went better th- th- than I could have hoped. Uh, we only had an hour, but it was perfect because we really filled we filled the hour. We fit so much in. We discussed a lot of subjects that have been controversial for her over the years that she hasn't had a chance to really discuss. And yeah, before we get going, I need to tell you about my film night. Um, I did a podcast a while ago with Paul Vickery, who works at the Prince Charles. A cinema, which if you listen to this, you could very well be interesting because it's about independent as, as, as cinema and again about kind of the power of the people. It's a it's a beautiful chat. And after that one, um, uh, the next film night I had was Ghost Dog and it was rammed in there. So thank you all for coming along and supporting. So I need to tell you about uh, this week's one, um, A Menace to Society on Thursday the 18th of June. Um, I've also got Dancer in the Dark on Thursday the 30th of, of, of July, but it's at the Prince Charles Cinema, tickets for sale on their website. Please come along. Um, the Ghost Dog one was amazing because that's a favourite film of mine and I always talk about how the point of these nights is to put on films that I've maybe loved for years but only ever watched on DVD and I think the cinema experience is completely different because you're in the darkness and you're just completely drawn into it rather than when you're at home you're looking at your phone or looking around your living room where you can hear cars going past it's a completely all-encompassing experience in the cinema but something I hadn't accounted for until this one was how much of a difference it makes having other people there there were so many huge laughs in Ghost Dog which I didn't really experience or get at home and watching it with a crowd had that and I mean, I'm excited about um, A Menace to Society for that exact fact because that was a film that, when that came out, it was a real pass-around-the-blank VCR of it. You know, when I was at school, it was like, Hitler, you've got to watch this, but you can't get caught watching it. So to to watch that in in a room full of people is going to be absolutely amazing. So check that out. It's, it's Menace to Society, Thursday, 18th of June. And then next month, we've got Dancer in the Dark, Thursday, the 30th of July. It would also be amiss of me to not mention my club night that I have m- monthly. We're returning to the book club now. Classic. I love it at the book club. It's our home. We do the night other places every now and then. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Nowhere is as good as the book club. Um, I don't mean to 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 hate anyone. We have great parties everywhere, but the book club is our, uh, our spiritual home. So on the 27th of June, we are at the book club. I'll be DJing. We've got a Lindy a Leighton from Beats International. We've got Ricky Hall, who's been on the podcast, international male model and generally good bloke. And he can spin a record or two too. We've got DJ Destruction, who... Every time we have the club night, everyone kind of agrees is the best DJ they've ever heard and never heard of. Uh, we've got Push Music, who's amazing. We've got Redshift Rebels. We've got Disco Stew, if we have to. Um, it's really good. Come down to the book club. Saturday, the 27th of June. Doors, 8pm to 2am. Free before 9pm and £5 after. If you want to get on the, the guaranteed entry list or the Q-Jump list, it's as send your names to info at the trash society.com info at t-h-e-t-r-a-s-h-s-o-c-i-e-t-y.com um yeah hopefully see you there it's good it's always good to catch up 
with a lot of you. I'm getting more and more people come along to both these events and always I'm there for ages at them and chat with everyone. Getting a, more and more people coming to those events who are, are fans of the podcast and hopefully I'll start to get some coming along in Team 3W t-shirts, but more about that shortly. So let's get into the podcast. Oh, I've not mentioned as well. Also, also, I have to mention on Friday, so in two days' time, We've got a Refugee Week special of the Distraction Pieces podcast. It's in collaboration with the British Red Cross. I'm doing a project with them that the aim is to help um, kind of give a greater understanding to to refugees and tell their story because I think in recent years there's been so much about immigration and all sorts of other, other nonsense that is blurring the facts and the reality of, of who some of these people are. Um, so... I've got the chance to sit down with a refugee um, and hear their story. We're trying to get it ready for Friday. I've, I've not recorded it yet, so it's one of them that it's scheduled. If everything goes to plan, it'll be on Friday. But yeah, we'll have to. You'll have to keep an eye out out for that. The, be, the best way is to subscribe. Um, yeah, so check that out. This is episode forty-one with Amanda fucking Palmer. I'm joined right now by Amanda Palmer. How are you doing? I'm lovely, thanks. By, by a, a, a resplendently pregnant Amanda Palmer. How, how, how's that going? That's such a great word. Um, <laughs> it's going. I'm, I'm six, almost six months pregnant. Wow. And I'm in that... Uh, what they say is the like the 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 sort of like moony glowing middle trimester, yeah, where you're not um, sick and nauseous and tired and grossed out the way you are for the first three months. Perfect, but you're also but you're also not like so heavy or waddling. Yeah, um, yeah, and so it's actually it's quite nice being on tour, pregnant because um, you're special. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we were discussing this. Beforehand, the weird thing of touring is touring. You'll get into a venue, and you know you're kind of special anyway because you're there yeah. to headline a gig. It's not it's not arrogant or rude to have certain needs. Like the 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 thing I always feel is it wasn't until I was touring that I realised how important our Wi-Fi codes were and oh water and simple things like that. that you have to have it. That if you're not from t- if you don't tour, particularly touring in another country yeah. where your phone might not have as much freedom. Yeah. As usual, it's it's amazing how important those things are. Yet you do feel like a bit of a dick sometimes. Being seriously, we can't do anything else until I get the Wi-Fi code. Right. <laughs> we really, we yeah, really need well, to. Yeah, well, and but... you're constantly a guest in. Like you're the special one, but you're also a guest in yeah. somebody else's house. Yeah. And but the advantage of being pregnant in when that you're situation pregnant, is there's no demand. When you're pregnant, every demand feels justified. And yeah. Every like you know every. You know, every need feels. I, I think a lot of artists probably struggle with this, especially when you're on the road and you're at the mercy of every environment and every situation. You you definitely are constantly struggling with your own selfishness and dickishness. Yeah. But you have no home. You're on the road yeah. and you need a thing. Yeah. And you have to ask for it because you are actually occupied and you can't. Yeah, go do it. But you don't want to feel like you're enslaving the people around you. Completely. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an art in itself. Like people who tour, who have been touring for years and years and years, and really yeah. have figured out that dance it's, are it's, admirable to watch. It's where people get really um, 
a militant or clinical on their on their riders and things yeah. like that because then it's just making sure that all those small things that aren't that important but are there so you don't have to be awkward to be like I really need some milk for my tea or something or right. something like that it's kind of yeah it's, yeah. it's an advantage. It's a skill. It's a skill, and I mean, p- even just not touring musicians have it. It's a skill skill of a traveler. Yeah, yeah. Which is like you've got your essential shit on you, but then you also are constantly engaged in a dialogue with your environment. Yeah. And you learn how to live in different environments, and I've spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah. Um. You know, there's a there's like I feel like there's a whole sub book of the book that I just wrote about how to live. In other people's environments, yeah, yeah, because I not yeah, it's definitely a skill. Yeah, a and skill. most bands learn this skill. You know, no one teaches you to do it. No. But like, if you're a small, scrappy band touring in a car and staying with your fans and staying with your friends, yeah. you learn this whole sort of like subcultural skill yeah. set of like how to be a guest in someone else's house every single night. Yeah, a, a survival um, and keep, and like and and it's and there's all these gives and takes of yeah. like. You actually do need some privacy or some space or their Wi-Fi, um, but they're also hosting you, and they kind of want some social time from you or yeah. whatever it is. And it's like, and we, you don't really talk about it. You don't talk about it as a skill and a learned skill and an education, but it really is. Yeah, completely. Particularly, um, I mean, obviously, I want to have a good, good, good talk about the book and about your 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 choice at times of touring and staying with fans and things like. That. It is an insane skill because it's it's such a a, a balance you're there they're helping you out mm-hmm. but equally you're at work essentially you know you're on the road you're on tour so that balance of being giving them everything that they need so they feel it's worked for them and equally right. being well you know yeah i need i need a minute yeah i need a minute i've been on the road with in a van with, with yeah. tons of people for and days some and, people really immediately grok that and understand yeah. it and some people don't uh, you know, I yeah. mean, when I look for people to stay with, I look for their social skills much more than I look for the comfort of their actual yeah, home. Brilliant. Because That's their perfect. social skills are so much the more key. comforting if they're good than having a nice cushy bed in your own room. So, I mean, before we get on to the book, which again lends into this, and I want to talk about what the nature of this particular tour is. Um, let's let's talk about exactly that your your history of, of of staying with fans, of engaging with fans. I think essentially the the, the basis of the book is about that. It's about that, that it, or whether it's fans or anyone, the engagement of other people and, and everyone kind of obviously being comfortable to, to ask for help and, yeah, mm-hmm. and building in that way. So how do you go about, I mean, you said you look for more social skills. How do you choose who you're going to, because again, it's got to be a digital thing a lot of the time. Yeah. It's got to be a roll of the dice a lot of the time where yeah. you're, right. I mean... So, I mean, the book's called The Art of Asking. Yeah. And, I mean, the whole the whole way I approached what I was going to write about in the book was looking at asking as a learned skill yeah. and, and, the, and all of the strange paradoxes of, you know, how it feels to rely on others and to ask others and to sort of reframe the idea of needing help from others or asking others for help, which is coming up all the time nowadays yeah. because of crowdfunding. Yeah, um, indeed. And to reframe it not as this, like, uncomfortable, vulnerable, terrible, um, you know, this this 
this this thing that seems like a burden on yeah. society or on your friends or on your community, but instead just sort of looking like stepping back and looking at the larger ecosystem of how we all help each other. Yeah, and you know, there, I feel like there's so many ways to approach this. I mean, you could write a whole book about capitalism yeah. and just talk about how screwy things have gotten now that we think of everything in terms of monetary exchange, monetary exchange yeah. and how we think about value yeah. and how we apply what we think about art to how we think about value. I mean, it's there's there's so many great tangents. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I basically like I was really lucky that I had to write the book on a deadline because right, the more yeah. I wrote, I was like, oh my God, and there's this, and there's, there's this. this. And, yeah. and I, what I should actually do is just like research for six years because I need to look at the history yeah. of busking and I need to look at the history of capitalism and I need to look at the history of gift exchange and Indian tribal cultures. And I was like, yeah, yeah no, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm just it's, not gonna do that. it's such a broad subject, um, kind of... Uh, Figuratively, in a way, um, I mean, the whole, it's obviously b- 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 based largely around, um, in your experiences and your career, yeah. in, in, in music and the being the, the, the crowned queen of Kickstarter, <sighs> which we'll get into as well, really. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, in general, the, the fear of asking is a huge problem, I think, in, in society. Uh, we've had, a, a couple of weeks ago, we had a podcast that went down... Uh, it, well, it, it was in, incredibly popular and it was with a lady, Gail Porter, and talking about depression and mm. just the fact of asking for help in general and how that's such a feared thing and yeah. the admission that, in general, humans aren't made in this in this crazy world that we've built, aren't made to cope with all this on their own. No, it's a million times over the capabilities of our brains. And, and Yet we and, think asking for help in any way is, oh, no, that's well, weakness. Well, and we've gotten so disconnected from our our ability to sort of tribally take care of each yeah, other completely completely you'd previously ask ask for help from you'd get advice from the sh- the shaman from the elders from whoever else whereas now we're so distant whilst more connected with social yeah, media is that weird thing the of connection not, is a frail fragile it really untrusted is. untrustable completely connection. i mean the the paranoia through all digital interaction is insane, and yeah. and and the rem- a removal of tone. You know, if yeah. if someone wishes to interpret your request as unreasonable, then exactly. they can because it's it's just or, written or down. Or if anybody from the outside world, and I mean, I certainly have experienced a lot of this. Yeah. Just happens to be standing at a distance, witnessing your exchange, yeah. and decides to yell at you because they don't like your exchange. You are really vulnerable, and the internet makes everyone really vulnerable because the, the exchanges are visible, and they're not just done yeah, you know, in our little village street of like, I'll give you some bread if you walk my dog. Um, because you know, usually there's no one around to judge that yeah. stuff. But if all of a sudden the whole world is casting their eyes down in yeah. judgment on like, well, we actually think that the bread is worth a lot more than that fucking dog walking, and, and we're gonna now, <laughs> yeah, now yeah. attack and, and changing how you feel about asking, but equally how the person you're asking feels about being asked. Right. So, so let's let's jump to um, a publicised example of that when you uh, were touring and you talked about um, asking. A local bands and talents to come and play at the shows and it was it caused quite an uproar because people were then saying no right. a, a musicians have a fee and a standard and it's it's something i've had problems with online before i've done contests or campaigns with small bands on my label saying look if there's any artists who'd like to submit a design then that'd be great and in our mind it's like cool this cool interaction collaboration people then got furious to yeah, saying no the 
there's a fee and a price. And neither side is wrong, really. There's a place for correctness on each side. But the example I instantly came to, I was reading it and trying to, again, obviously because we know each other a bit, I'm often a bias in your favour. But when these things are coming up, I try and be right. Let's be reasonable and think. And the thing that just came to mind for me was essentially how we met was... We met on a, a radio show, and you asked if I fancied coming and playing at one of your shows, yeah. and I did. And it and was I an amazing collaboration. And I didn't offer you £200. You didn't offer me I just money. I didn't talk. ask. It was just, wow, this sounds cool. Yeah. So why is... Because that was well, and a I, personal and I, interaction without and, onlooking eyes, it was fine. Exactly. And I would have been zero offended if you had said, no, it's Here's just not my worth fee. my time. And, <laughs> well, or it's just not worth my time and energy <laughs> yeah. to come and do this. Yeah. And, and I think the important in all of these exchanges, whether it's like, you know, submit a design or come play on stage, the, 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 the main factor that seems to get missed by the people who are criticizing it is that it's a mutual exchange. Yeah, and, and it's a choice. And I'm totally allowed to ask you, and you're totally allowed to say no, but if 100%. both people step up and say, like, yes, this is mutually beneficial, I want to invite you, you want to come to my gig, then the outside judgment really sort of doesn't understand the system. I couldn't agree and, more. I'm fine with someone responding and saying, look, my art has a value and you're, you're, you're asking me to do it under that. I'm not willing to do it. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, but that's fine. But it's when they're imposing it on other people who were maybe excited or enthusiastic to be involved in this project, right. th- then it seems unfair. It's like, well, well and you, but, so you, here's you the thing. You. And I looked, I, I mean, I felt into this deeply when I was dealing with this particular controversy, um, which was asking, specifically I asked string players and horn players of basically any talent level, you know, they had to be above like a grade school level, but they didn't have to be great. They just had to be able to read charts um, to come and play on stage with my band so we could beef up some of the songs. And we didn't really have the budget to like tour you know, get an extra tour bus and 12... Getting an orchestra is a huge... It's it's not like you were saying, oh... I want a free guitarist every night. No, because a guitarist is someone who can pop in the so car. So an important part of the of the system to understand is, had no one said yes, we probably just wouldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah. And that's important to understand. The other thing that's important to understand about this stuff is, I kept like trying to get a perspective on why now and why is this so upsetting to people now? Yeah. And I think on the one hand, I had just made a lot of money, you know, or seemingly made a lot of money on Kickstarter. No one knew what my actual nuts and grosses were. They just saw the giant, like, blinking sign in the sky. But also, if you look at what's happening in general with the crumbling infrastructure of how people are, how artists are getting paid, there's no wonder journalists are freaking out about you know, specifically now about people asking them to yeah. work for free. Yeah. And musicians are freaking out specifically now. Because if you're a classically trained violinist, your work opportunities now in 2015 versus 10 years ago versus 20 years ago are just dwindling yeah. forever further downward. Usually. And so you're getting testier and more frightened. Yeah. And, you know, and for those who are looking for something to blame, I think it's, you know, it could be easy to look at me and say, like, it. It's people like Amanda Palmer. But that's actually bullshit. I'm not yeah. the culprit at yeah. all. And and you see this all the time with, like, you know, um, especially journalists and, like, Garbage just went through this because they asked if any photographers wanted to just submit photographs they had taken for, yeah. a, for a book. And yeah. they got the exact same yeah. thing of, like, one of the... F- photographers wrote this scathing open letter saying like yeah. how you are garbage how 
dare you ask me to submit my work for free when you're this giant band and I'm this photographer? And of course, you know whose side I'm going to land yeah, on course, which is like course. they can ask yeah. you can say no just say no just say no it's, it's fine. absolutely fine I've, I've done or tell them you know what my work is really great can you at least give me 500 bucks yeah. you know and I will give you these 10 images yeah. because I'd love to be involved in your project but I really do need the money Completely. and then they can say no I've, and that's I've, fine I've done so much over my career working with people everyone working for free and then when it happens to turn a profit Paying everyone a little bit. And, yeah. But I'd much rather, even if I'm aware in the end they're going to get paid, I'd much rather work with people who are doing it just for the passion and yeah. just because they're excited. And then it's a nice surprise to go, here's a check, dude. Right. Thank you so much yeah. for, your, for engaging, rather than people who are like, well, here's my day rate. And, and, and again, I'm not having, uh, I, I kind of am having a go there, which I shouldn't. <laughs> it's, 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 it's being the opposite of what I was saying there. Yeah. But I don't know. It, 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 I get more excited because of how I work, because well, of the fact... And it, it, doesn't it depend on the project, though? Yeah. Like, you don't want to walk into a music studio and only just work with an engineer who's psyched to be there. Yeah, you actually, yeah. I would be more excited to work with a guy who's like, here's my day rate, you know, I'm an engineer, this is my studio, yeah. this is what it costs. It's all context, yeah. you know. That's Completely, different yeah. from, like, making, a, you know, a, a video on a rooftop with a budget of a thousand bucks where, like, it's going to expand and contract depending on yeah. how many people decide that they want to show up and paint yep. themselves naked. Completely. And <laughs> the um, the other side of it, though, is the, you know, and journalists talking about this all the time, too, is, like, you know, there's a movement against interning, against unpaid interning, yep. um, sort of for the same reason. And, you know, I've been an, unturn, an unpaid intern. I interned at a record store, yeah. you know, just to kind of be around. Yeah, and completely. The and uh, the the thing I keep pointing out to all these people who criticize, you know, the photographer with the angry open letter and all of this stuff is my band played two years worth of gigs pretty much for free. Yeah, we played my house, my friends' houses, any art gallery opening. Yeah, like basically anyone who asked us if we would gig, we would gig, and I sort of look back to those times. And I'm like, if we had just initially refused to play without payment, yeah. my band would have gone fucking nowhere. Yeah, yeah. If we had just said, but we're, we're musicians and our work has value, is, yeah, and you completely. have to at least pay us $100, we would have just been passed over because the people didn't have the budget or it wasn't worth it to them to get a band, but it was worth it to us to play the gig. Yeah, completely. And so if you're... In, in all of these situations, I think it comes down to like respect the fucking artist. Yeah. Respect, respect the artist's respect decision. Respect their choice. Exactly. To do it or not. I mean, I should quickly tell the story of... So we met on a Six Music show and, and we got on. We're f- familiar Stevie with each Lamac. other. On, on old Lamac. A shout out to Steve Lamac. Um, and you asked if I wanted to come and p- perform at your show. I think it was a couple of nights away. It was at the end yeah. of the week. And I was going to another gig in Camden that night that I promised I'd attend. But I said I'll still come along. And it was beautiful because I literally got there four or five songs before I was to perform. Yeah, we were already on stage. We'd not rehearsed. I'd not met any of the bands. I'd met you. I'd not met any of the band. And literally, just when the time came, you kind of gave me a shout. And we came out and and performed this thing. And that wouldn't have happened if there had been any level of professionalism involved. (laughs) (laughs) If we'd said, right, look, we've not had time to sound check, so I'm not really up for this. But the fact was, it was like, cool. Let's yeah. give that a chance. And in, in my thinking as well, I think a, a lot of the time it's thinking 
of remembering, and I'm, again, I'm not telling anyone else how to, 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 to run their own artistic lives or career, but remembering that I've been going to gigs since I was about 14, and if any band I was watching had said, are you up for getting up for a song? I would have been so happy. Right. So the fact that someone's saying, are you up for coming on for a song? It's like, cool. It's, it's not the ideal situation. We, it would have been nice if we'd met or practiced, yeah. but it went amazingly. So Right, and I also, like, I love taking little risks like that on stage because, you know, it doesn't always work. Mm. And you don't always have, like, sometimes you'll pop someone on stage and just be like, no, just do a spontaneous thing. Uh, and they're not good at doing a spontaneous yeah, thing. Like, yeah. And sometimes you just don't know. And I have had plenty of moments of, you know, after like 10 years of almost nonstop touring, I've had plenty of moments of like, well, shit, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. um, but then that's also, it's part of the beauty of having this constant community and this constant touring life, which is... I never do the same thing twice. The audience never yeah. really knows what they're going to see. They know they're going to see something authentic. Yep. And they know they might see something fail. And, and, and that's great. I it's think that's, kind of part what, of that's it. why it's, I think it's one of the reasons you've got such passionate, um, engaging f- fans is exactly that, that there's, there's some excitement in the live performance again. You know, yeah. it got to a point a few years back where people were going to gigs to hear a song played n- n- note for note, the same as it was on the record. It's like, that's kind of... Boring. It takes, yeah, it takes so much out of it. It's like, just yeah. to be honest, I mean, I live in a small town outside of London. To be honest, I could stay at home and listen to, to, to the record. It would be a lot easier. I've travelled for 90 minutes. I, wanna, I want something to go wrong. I want, you know, I want it yeah. to be an error or, or a at mistake. Least, or... You at least want to feel like you're being... You're, you're, you're actively being with the person on stage. Yeah. Instead of you know, the the idea that they're just up there representing something that they have to, and then they're fucking off. Yeah. And I, you know, my favorite live shows have been, even if the music sounds note for note, like the shit on the record, maybe that's great, but there's an attitude. Yeah, completely. Of authenticity on stage that, like, we are people here, you are people there, and right now we're together. Yeah. And there's so many ways of doing that. You don't have to do it the like chaotic circus Amanda Palmer way, yeah. and you don't have to, you know. But there is something, you know, even even with people who do like high end pop spectacle, yeah. you can feel the difference between someone who's kind of phoning it in and just painting yeah. by the numbers, and someone who is who means it every time they're who out means there. it and 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 embraces the mistakes when they happen instead of trying to hide them from the audience yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I've, I've gone and seen some massive pop spectacle shows and some of them are just like, even with their gazillion dollar budgets, you're just bored. Yeah. Cause you don't feel like you are part of a living exchange. Uh, uh, who do you think on, on, on that level gets it right? Ah, on the giant pops. I mean, I haven't seen that many giant pops. I'm, I'm only asking because it's an excuse for me to talk again about when I saw Prince live and his <sighs> full band, his just general demeanour and attitude. It was like, he's, man, they've probably not even written down a set list. They're yeah, just that good. Just, they've got that, they're, they're, they're that type. Yeah. They're just going, let's pull this song. Well, Prince is in the James Brown lineage. Yeah. He is in the like, my, I will have a band that's tight as shit yeah. i am in I, i'm in whatever the the wrong lineage is i'm in the like the probably like the the, the grateful dead lineage where yeah. it's like hey yeah, we will get on this is cool Do we, 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 are we missing a musician maybe <laughs> um 
Yeah, I mean, I have never been very exacting yeah. about my stage players, but then again, I'm much more important. It's much more important to me about whether I like the people yeah, I'm working fine. with. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be on the And I'm enjoying myself, and even if we're sloppy as fuck, I don't, you know, I don't really care. But it Prince, surprises me a little to hear, because having seen you live a couple of times now, two or, th- or three times, with the band, mm. it's always felt that it's so tight, and it's got that, you've, you've got, talented enough musicians there to allow you to go off script and right. then to bring it back like that yeah if you need they to. all have to be good improv yeah you know spo- they need to be good at spontaneity again which was a great surprise as i walked out on stage in front of a full venue yeah, <laughs> just to, like, turns just out to they're really good at this. this turns out these guys are awesome yeah and michael Phew. the drummer on that tour <laughs> yeah. um was the kind of person who like he comes from the theater world yeah. and he and i definitely spoke the language yeah. of like we want to make this an amazing live theatrical yeah, experience. Yeah. And like, you know, we sort of looked at everything through the filter of opportunity. Like we would yeah. walk into every venue and go like, Ooh, let's like use that. Do it there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, if I had had the kind of drummer who was like a stock studio drummer, you might've walked up on stage and said, I'm going to read this thing. And everyone would have just sort of sat there twiddling sat there their in thumbs. Silence and, yeah, and this drummer it. is like, fuck, can I play along with you? Let's because go. Yeah, let's go. Let's do a thing. We're here. And it it also takes a certain kind of personality to be like, let's do a thing in front of 1,200 people. And and know that this thing won't be quite perfect because, like, he doesn't know how your piece is going to go. He doesn't even know how long your piece is. But that's, like, that's the great dance. I I cover up enough of my face with hair to get away with covering any slight wavers (laughs) in when it's not going right. I can keep that, this is going exactly to plan look when it is. Again, I was the same. I was thinking, I don't know if it's it's going to kick in now if it's going to stop but um yeah but so how is it at the moment to go from having um numerous band members and a a, a huge a backing to this tour where you're on your own to succeed or fail on your own obviously there's there's often a guest as 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 is expected from an Amanda Palmer show it'd be yeah. outrageous otherwise yeah but, but I'm spending 95 percent of my stage time yeah, alone alone up there I, I love it? it. I love it, and I, I love both. I mean, I, I think... Um, Have you done much without a backing band no, or anything before? No, this is... I mean, I toured for years and years and years and years with the Dresden yeah, Dolls. Yeah, of course. Which was a band. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it was always just me and Brian on stage, like, yeah. going at each other. And then I when I went solo and did my first solo album, I toured, but I was rarely... I was only alone on stage about half the time because I brought yeah. a troupe of Australian performance artists with me. Of course. Of course I did. Of course uh, you and did. I also brought a cellist and a violin player. Yeah. So it was still kind of a, like a moving circus on yeah. stage with a pretty set set list. Um, and then, you know, I sort of, I, 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 I learned how to do a little bit more solo stuff in the cracks there. But then the next big album was the Grand Theft Orchestra album, of course, which is which the was, one yeah. I met you on. And yeah. that was full band. Yeah. You know, I think huge I did two solo really. songs yeah. in that set. So like huge production, huge band at the whole deal. And this is the first time. And then I took a year off to write a book. Yeah. And this is the first time I'm doing like proper long tours with just, just me you. showing up with a ukulele case and sitting down at a piano and sound checking. Amazing. And I love it. Of course you do. Because I'm so free all of a sudden. And I get yeah. to change. I get to take requests. I get to fucking talk for five minutes if I want to. Yeah. Um, I change the set list up every night. I learn new covers backstage. Yeah, that's great. And, um, and it's very powerful. But it's also kind of lonely. 
Yeah, of course. And it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like asking someone if they, you know, prefer hanging out alone to hanging out in a crowd. It's like you need a healthy mix of both or yeah. you go crazy. Completely. And I genuinely think, I, I guarantee you'll find when you return to having a band, you'll just feel it's so much tighter and so much more in control. Because I think a, a period of time having to fill that stage on your own really lets you hone your stagecraft and really get lets you, even though you've been doing it for years and know it's tight, it really lets you know, right, this really works. And I can, yeah. I don't know, I can turn it into a, a real show and a real performance because I've done that on my own and filled that time and filled the gaps and, and lived and died on my own, on my own cross, as it were. Yeah. It's gone abs- good absolutely. and it's gone bad, you know? Yeah, and uh, there's also, there's something particularly just about drums. Yeah. That just, it's like... Drums are just drums. There's yeah. nothing else like drums in a room in, to just shut people the fuck up and get them into yeah. I'm at a show mode. Yeah, and completely. as loud and as aggressively as I pound a concert grand piano, yeah. I mean, and it's really emotional and powerful and you can hear a pin drop in the audience, but it's never drums. Yeah, yeah. And drums are special. So, the, I mean, the idea... But drums of, also have to be loaded in and out of a venue, and that's just hideous. So there's, there's, <laughs> exactly. there's, there's pros and cons. Let's, let's get this yeah. real. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been loving this. And also being pregnant and doing this tour, um, it, it feels a little bit selfish in a good way. Yeah. Like, this is my time with my crowd. Yeah. And it's very personal. Because what I'm going through right now is fucking scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really personal. And I would imagine, you know, if for some reason the universe was altered and I was on tour right now with Michael and Chad and Jarek and my light guy and, you know, and my sound guy and, you know, and whoever, and I was traveling as a posse of 10 people and on stage every night, still kind of communing with the audience about what I'm going through, it would feel a few steps more selfish. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, you know, like sitting down and talking with a crowd of a bunch of people about my fears about pregnancy yeah it's an amazing moment but it's it's not quite as amazing if you've got a drummer sitting there waiting for you to shut the fuck up waiting for you to start the next song (laughs) and be like are we are we going now yeah can i have a toilet Um, break or so this this also feels like the right time because these shows are i was gonna say the timing just all seems to be insanely perfect with i mean the book coming out as well it feels like it's it fits with this kind of tour that bit more yeah. not that you're getting up and it's it's just a book reading but you can you know you can engage in more parts of that and bring elements of this in and out of of, of the life of the life performance yeah and i mean there's also there's a there's a sense in which you know the book is kind of scary to me because it definitely feels like a I mean, it certainly does feel like a creation and a, its own piece of art. Yeah. But it also feels very explainy. Yeah. You know, and very much rehashing of the past and yeah. saying, I did this and this is what I thought and these are my reflections. Yeah. And I feel like it's very important to, I mean, you can cycle, but you can't stay there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I mean, sometimes I look at my life now as, you know, writer, TED speaker you know, inspirational Amanda Palmer. And I could fucking, if I wanted to be an asshole, I could ride that wave for 10 years and like go around doing people's, you know, doing speaking engagements and podcasts and writing three more books about crowdfunding 
as like the magical musician who like cracked the code and figured out how to and like that's so boring yeah 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 i feel like easy it's easy (laughs) and it's and it feels inauthentic yeah i mean you're only allowed to i feel like you're only allowed to reflect for a certain (laughs) you have this grace period and then you have to go out and keep doing shit you can't just keep reflecting on your past it feels like the book should be a right here's the full stop on what's happened here you know here's the here's wow there's been some shit going on. There's, right. there's been a lot going on. I've now explained it all. Is is there ever that element of when of kind of wanting to say to people, just, just read the book, yeah, and then we don't need to have this discussion any longer. We don't need to, you know, I've, it, it's finished there. It's all explained. So yeah, we don't need this, much, this actually. And I mean, and the TED <laughs> the TED talk felt like it was supposed to be that. Yeah. Because I went through, like, I went through a year of internet controversy. Yeah. And it was just, like, I just felt like I was getting my face punched in once a week it's by tough, one thing or another. man. It's real humans out there. And it's then a real human behind that screen. I was offered the TED Talk, and I was like, this is the perfect, this is the perfect opportunity to kind of put a punctuation the, mark the on. The right to reply, essentially, and say, I'm this is I'm going to get the- on the world stage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to explain to you once and for all who I am, what I believe, and how I think this can work. Mm. And then I can be done. How, how was that? How was the TED Talk? Obviously, it went down amazingly, but beforehand, yeah. it's, it, you're, was there ever a point of realisation, right, I've done years of going out in front of my crowd, yeah. and that you know they're, they're there for me, they're there to embrace me. That isn't what this is. This is a separate thing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a speaker to, to these people. I'm not... I, obviously, I am Amanda Palmer, but I'm not. I'm not that. But none it's not of that those situation. people knew me. Yeah, they were strangers. It, this is me going out now and having to get everything into this into this moment. And you know, again, the beauty of of, of your own live shows with your own fans is there's a shorthand there. There's a there's right. a knowledge of you history, a knowledge of who you are. Right. I don't need to explain that it's okay that I'm naked at the moment or anything right. like that. You know, it's it's explained throughout the history of your work. Well, so, whereas that's a new thing, right? Now. Right. I mean, and it's not just that I was speaking. I mean, the TED conference itself yeah. is like 1,500 tech billionaires, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, which I didn't even really fully grasp until I got there. It's probably and for I the was best. like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you are. You're Al Gore and Jeff Bezos yeah. and like the other Damn, Illuminati. Yeah. Um, and, but the, the thing about the, the TED talk that wouldn't have worked and wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone through like the battering ram of internet co- controversy is, um, I felt so deeply misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. And every time, you know, every time a controversy erupted of, like, Amanda Palmer shouldn't be using Kickstarter, Amanda Palmer shouldn't be asking her fans to volunteer, Amanda Palmer shouldn't be writing poems about the Boston bomber, Amanda mm-hmm. Palmer... And I was just like, well, actually, like, I set out... When I set out to do all of these things, I had no idea that you would misunderstand this. Yeah. I just was sort of, like, rolling along my merry way, going like, oh, well, use Kickstarter, oh. Yeah. I'll do these things that I always do. And... And it was sort of the growing pains of being exposed to the wider world and going, holy fuck, I had no idea that you guys didn't think like me. Yeah. I didn't realize how much of a fucking bubble I lived in with my, like, you know, with my crazy, compassionate, arty, art fag hippie friends. Like, we really are different. Everyone (laughs) does. Everyone does. I mean, it's, it's, it's reflected in every single election. 
are when people are shocked that it didn't right. go the way they wanted. It's because we generally surround ourselves with like-minded people. Therefore, right. in our minds, and even though we've got this access to view the opinions of so many people in the world of different opinions, we generally only only follow people and engage with people yeah, who are like-minded, which, which is completely natural, but it... it it then makes it... I, I don't know. I don't think people should be surprised then when you then go... It's shocking. All oh, right, I thought the world was one way. It's like, no, your world is right. that way, and that's beautiful and fine, but that doesn't mean the rest well, of the world... Well, and I really did... I really was shocked. Yeah. At not just the... I mean, I wasn't shocked at the people so far away from me yeah. who didn't get it. Yeah. That didn't surprise me. What shocked me was the people right next to me, mm-hmm. you know, the other people in the art scene, the other people, uh, the other musicians... You know, the lefty journalists going, yeah. we don't understand how you could have compassion for someone, you know, who's a terrorist. Yeah. And going like, oh my God, I actually really didn't know that, that, that you guys be, didn't yeah. think this way. But I think I can explain it. Yeah. You know, and this is also where everything came back to street performing. Yeah. And I was like, when you're a street performer for five years, and that's how you make your money. And you get out there every day and you basically trust the universe and you give your shit away for free and you put a hat at your feet. You can't help but start realizing that the universe kind of is a certain way and that there is a predictable amount of trust in humanity that you can have. And, and you, and you, you, you're the education that happens when you're a street performer is so deep and ingrained once you're out there in the street doing it every fucking day that you just don't doubt it anymore you sort of take it for granted and all the other musicians that you hang out with who grew up in that lineage are like yeah of course of course whatever let's talk about something interesting yeah yeah yeah, and then you talk to the guy at forbes magazine who's like we don't understand this (laughs) and you're just like wow well i guess i really i guess i have to really try to explain this to you because it seems because i am just swimming in it like it's water yeah but really like let me try to actually really explain to it to you so down. you'll understand. Yeah, Let me yeah. break it down. And that's what my TED Talk was, which is I really want, I desperately really want people to understand this. Yeah. And that's that's sort of where, like, everything that went into the TED Talk was, how can I say this in a way that people will really actually fundamentally understand what I'm talking about? Do you feel a responsibility to help explain this to people? Because I think it's, it's easy, and again, it, 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 it would be easy to continue on, I, I don't know, I think there's a lot of things in life where it's far easier to do and exist and live it than it is to actually explain it at points. It's far easier to have gone along going, right, this is how this works and we engage and we all work. I don't care if you I don't think, get that. No, I mean, I think it's more selfish than that. I yeah. think I did it for me. Yeah. And I did it for me knowing... To explain and have that, that th- justification of look, for fuck's sake. Right, and I mean, <laughs> I think I also felt... I feel my own personal pain mm. when I look at Kickstarter videos and I see my friends or friends of friends, but basically like my posse, yeah. like flicking on the camera and going like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing, but here I am and this is, uh, we're Kickstartering a record and yeah. <sighs> And you're like you, and you're just watching those videos, going like, "Oh my God, someone just needs to tell you that like, it's there is a much better way of doing this." Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, that's it. I think and you're making me feel uncomfortable. So yeah, can we there just should be an exciting engagement yeah, and for all of us involved? Can we just like rewind for a second and like 
fucking throw all that shit out and just sort of just just be honest with me and tell me what you're doing. Tell me that you're crowdfunding a record. Tell me that you'd love me to help, that I don't have to help. And this is what you're doing and this is what you need. Yeah. And like, and don't like, and don't cover me with shame. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that you're, you're, but that's you're also being selfish. Guilt- and in a way, you, me, it, in a way it's it. almost guilting you into helping because of it being presented in a shame, right. you know, in a, I'm, I'm in this spot. I need, I need help. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. I, I mean, I've, 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 I've discussed the whole Kickstarter thing back and forth for a lot over the years. And I've decided, again, I like most of the things that, 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 that we've discussed here. There's no right or wrong because it's so much of a case-by-case case totally. example. I've been annoyed at points where I've seen people who simply don't wish to invest their own money or, or I don't know, again, just my background was I really wanted to make a record and I worked in a record store for five years saving up to be able to do that. And that was my... That was my Kickstarter because that didn't exist at the time. So when it's then presented as someone being lazy or wanting an an undeserved leg up, then it instantly started to rub me up the wrong way. My first impressions of Kickstarter and then seeing more people I know doing amazing projects on there and generally engaging beautiful things that wouldn't exist without Kickstarter. Things that wouldn't, that aren't investable. It's like, all right, shit, that's kind of cool. That's... Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, and there's a lot of shitty Kickstarters out there where, you know, a a lot of it comes down to um, certain artists are just certain ways and certain artists are just like obnoxious and entitled. And it doesn't matter whether they are using Kickstarter or trying to get signed to a label. Like, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They would just be shitty and be obnoxious and entitled. And then you've got your other artists who are just, like, working from a place of, like, community and joy and exuberance. And and it doesn't matter with them either. Either they're trying to get signed to a label or they're using Kickstarter, but you can tell they're in it for the right reasons. And they're kind of approaching it with gratitude and not a sense of, like, I fucking deserve this because... Like, and you can just, like... And the system is irrelevant. Yeah, it completely. comes down to the people behind the completely. system. Again, I think the way to make it, it, it work is present something that's an engagement and an interaction between you and those donating or engaging or whatever, rather than the feeling, as you said, on, on, on when people are kind of a bit worries me about it, there's then a thing of, right, I'm donating, therefore I feel my entitlement to... Do you know what I mean? So it feels less like a transaction. Yeah. Because that's the point of... Of, of, of record labels at points, of, of advances. Again, if, if a label has given you a huge advance, I've always felt they have a certain a right to say, here's what, here's what we want from that. Or see, I that. never and believed that. I've, I've <laughs> never had an advance. You see, I've never yeah. had a, a large advance. We, I mean, I always looked at it from, we the, ran naive, away from the, the naive point of view, but I think, you know, maybe naive in a, in a, in a way that has a deeper intelligence, which is if you're a record label giving me an advance to make a record... The deal should be, I'm the artist, I get to make the record. Yeah, I get and you're that. paying, not for the record that you want, yeah. but you're paying me to make the record yeah. that I'm making. Yeah. And I've never felt... I got so many journalists when I um, launched the Kickstarter asking me that exact question, which is, aren't you afraid now that your fans are going to dominate you and control you and, and boss you what, and demand yeah. things? And it had never, again, like it had never occurred to me 
that my fans mm-hmm. would ever demand everything. Because to me, that's not what the exchange is. Yeah. The exchange isn't you give me $10 and you get to tell me what record to make. Yeah, yeah. The exchange is you give me $10 and you get a record. Yeah, you don't know yeah. what fucking record Sweet. you're yeah, get. Yeah. The whole thing is you trust me. You trust me that it yeah. will be a record that I've put everything into. And yeah. right. And you may not even like it. And that's fine. Yeah. But you're, you're basically gambling the $10 on, I want to see what Amanda it's, Palmer's going to do. It's a roll of the dice. I like it. Is, is that how you feel it is with your... A, a live shows now as well because of the variation um, over the years I guess yeah. do you feel that because again you generally in whatever form you present your show I mean I got here about um, I don't know if you've mentioned that we're backstage at the Union a, a, a no, Chapel you before your show we should mention <laughs> this we're backstage at the Union a, a Chapel before your show I got here about half three and doors are about uh, six or, or seven doors I think. are at seven in, Those in were at seven. Two hours. And there were people outside already excited. There was a guy um, tr- tr- drawing a sloth playing a banjo on the floor <laughs> in, in, in chalk. So that was awesome. delightful. But again, it's that excitement and engagement from the f- from your fan base that, right, all we need to know is that Amanda's here and yeah. we can come and see her. Rather than, is it the band? Is it... And again, yeah. I think that's a... A thing that can that people can get caught up in is 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 it going to be the live band? Is it going to be they know they're going to get like, they know they're going to get something interesting. And one thing that I also love about being an artist who doesn't really have hits, yeah, because I'm not a commercial artist yeah. and I've never really been a radio artist, is you just you have no idea what I'm going to play. You can play what the hell you want. Yeah, and I mean, no if I have like, anything well, close to a hit, yeah. it's probably like Coin Operated Boy or. Yeah. You know, and it's very likely that I'll go through a gig and never play that song, and yeah. no one will care. Yeah, no one will notice. Yeah, it's um, great. And I, I love that kind of freedom. I mean, I love that freedom in the recording studio. I love that freedom in my writing process, and I love that freedom on stage, which is you're here because you want to be together with me. You're here because we're all interested in each other. And you're here because you want to support me and you want to see what I'm going to do. Yeah. Not because you come in with a list of fucking expectations. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to leave, you know, disappointed. Yeah, completely. I, I, I completely agree with that. There was, I discussed this a, a while ago when there was the, a lot of people unhappy about a Lauren Hill show. And, and, and um, I think it was Talib Akwali did a big open letter saying, you're paying to see what she wishes like you're not paying because apparently she did a load of still played all the classics but didn't play them in the album away played different versions and people were angry at that it's like well there's no contract when buying a ticket it's not I'm buying a ticket for a variation of these 34 songs I mean they don't have to like it but they can't demand their money back (laughs) no exactly Um, well I mean I'm not going to hold you too much longer we've got about 15 minutes left and you know I wouldn't want to put extra pressure on a a pregnant lady you know (laughs) but um, I do want to discuss since you're back in England um, Glastonbury and the Daily Mail (laughs) Um, the last time I saw you at at the Roundhouse I believe it was you 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 came out and performed a song on the subject and it was a clear highlight for everyone and a (laughs) a great moment so so can you kind of tell that story in some way I guess Uh, sure um yeah, I haven't actually really told that story in depth. This is a good place to do yeah, it. Perfect. So um, we had we we started off this uh, UK and European tour yeah. playing at Glastonbury, um, and part of the story that most people don't know is we showed up at Glastonbury and our gear 
hadn't showed up. Oh, wow. It was one of those shipping snafus. God damn. So I had... And um, that's not a small sh- a show to start with either. No, that's and this is a full band show yeah. with lots of theatrics. And so I sort of did what you do, which is like, it'll be fucking fine. We're rehearsed. <laughs> we will just play these songs and we will wear... Wh- you know, we had no costumes. Oh, wow. We had no nothing. We just had like what we showed up in the plane with. Yeah. And we rented backline. And I was like, we are just going to rock face. And so, um, since I didn't have my stage costume, I wore, you know, the corduroy trousers that I was traveling with and Wellington boots, which I had bought in London. Yeah. And I had a bra, which wasn't even like a really rugged stage bra. It was just the bra. Just the bra you happened to be wearing. That I happened to be wearing. And and then I sort of like, I, I had the band paint my body a little bit. And we went out and we played a great show it was yeah. like and it was also one of those like you know what we're going for broke so let's just yeah. like fucking like punch energy Again, into this the, stage the beauty of it making it a unique not only f- for the audience but for you guys as well yeah have done a lot of shows and will do a lot of shows so although it's a setback that things have gone yeah, wrong no, it was, it's it was kind of challenge. nice to go right let's just let's and go it was out a and brand enjoy new, this it was a brand new drummer so michael the guy that yeah. you met was swapped out for um thor harris yeah who's Amazing. Yep, he's yep. also the drummer in the Swans yeah, and yeah, yeah. Shearwater, and he's yeah. just a delight. And it was one of his very first, I think possibly his first gig with us. So it was like all yeah. these X factors. There's a lot to go and, wrong. You know, and it was kind of, it, it was a successful show and it was a little shaky, but it was fine. And then when I saw that our only huge review, which came out, you know, two days later, yeah. was in the fucking Daily Mail. Of all people. And it was three or four columns just talking about my outfit and the fact that, you know, when I raised my arm, my boob, like, didn't even thoroughly escape. You just got, like, that little bit of side boob, like, yeah. spilling out the bottom. With a photo of that, and, I, like, I love nothing... the terminology of it escaping as if it was was, 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 was trapped and, <laughs> right. and trying to trying to break free. They're but, yeah. always kind of trying to escape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but like nothing about the band, nothing about the songs, nothing about the album, nothing about the show, just boob boob. discussion. And I was like, that's just so fucking wrong. And what was so fucking wrong about it is that they, the whole tone in which the Daily Mail wrote it is how embarrassed Amanda Palmer must be. And I was like. I have no, I have no idea who I am. I'm embarrassed reading this shit. Well, and know? it really was like they either have to pretend they don't know, <laughs> so that for the benefit of their readership, who all want to sit there and titter, mm-hmm. um, they've got this fiction going on because it's so obvious to anyone who knows anything about me that I am naked all over the internet. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and I've been naked at my in, own shows in general, and in music yeah. videos and everywhere. And I was on red like, carpets, I'm sure. Just in general, you're you're quite I'm a, a naked I'm just person. Like, I'm the naked yeah. chick, and I was like, this is <laughs> so funny that they're trying to shame the naked chick. Yeah. And it was like it was that humorous paradox where I was like, I should just write a blog explaining how hilarious this is. Yeah. And then I was like, but it'd actually be a better song. And so the next day we were in Manchester, I think, and I wrote the song during the day. Wow. On a jog. 
Um, and this is also one of the things that I didn't used to be able to do because I didn't trust myself to write away from the piano. Yeah. And then I realized that I could. Oh, wow. Because all I would have to do is get a basic melody into my head, sing it into a phone, and go like, I basically know what these chords are. I'll yeah. figure them out when I sit down. Yeah. I'll, f- I'll finish um, it later. I'll figure that out. I'll, I'll right. And so bits. I wrote it on, a, I took like a two-hour jog around Manchester, and I took Amazing. my phone with me, and I just wrote it line by line and sang it into the phone. And then the next day we had the show in London and I spent the day kind of like redrafting the lyrics. Also knowing that if I was going to fucking pull my kit off, yeah. there was going to have to be a one time only yeah. delivery because you can't ever do something like that a second time. So I was going to have to nail this song to the, the sh- ground. The shock and amazement of coming out in, in a, a, a gown of some sort, it wasn't was a it? Kimono. Kimono. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. Um, then, and so I was re- really... An intentional... A, a wardrobe malfunction as yeah, such. Very essential. And there was actually, getting back to what we were talking about before is a perfect way to explain this because, you know, being being able to have that level of comfort with the 2,000 people at the yeah. Roundhouse, knowing that they would love and support this kind of prank. Yeah. And that it wouldn't be a controversial... Or, no, Because, again, be they've come to an Amanda Palmer show. It's, it's right. fine. Um, but also that I could trust them to sort of take pleasure with me in doing something that might not work. Yeah. And playing a yeah. song that I had never tried in front of an yeah. audience. And trying to rip my kimono off with comic timing. And At the right point whilst playing. And again, this, this was an unbacked section this of the show. This was just you, are you at the piano, so yeah. all the but drama I was really, is on you. And so I, like, I wrote, I didn't have time to memorise the lyrics, because this is like a 24-hour turnaround. Yeah. But I pasted them on the piano, yeah. and and I managed to pull, I made one little fuck up, but I managed to basically pull it off. And it's Quite moments literally. like those where you're like, you look back at your last ten years of touring and all of the things you've learned, yeah. and like this sort of like the bravery that you sort of scraped off the floor from every stage and every gaff and every gig, yeah. and you and you realize that you've actually gotten good at your job. Because Completely. you can actually, like, you can get an idea, write it, and execute it in 24 hours and basically get it to work. Which yeah. isn't something I could do when I was 24. Completely. I was it's, too terrified. It's similar. Every, every rapper I know or hip-hop artist that has a spoken word background knows they've got that, 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 that foot in that if there's any kind of power cut or technical issues... You're They've fine. got this. They've got this, and in, in many ways, you hope for it because you know it's yeah, been that's then, then you get then to see. Look, I can deal with this. Everyone's thinking the show's going to fall apart, but no, I'm going to come down in the crowd, and we're going to have and everyone's going to feel special. This, and it'll, it'll feel like a huge moment. Yeah. Well, let's let's start uh, to, uh, to round things up now. Thank you very much for coming in and chatting. Um, I want to kind of ask just what's ahead. Um, obviously, with the pregnancy, um, you and Neil, obviously, of both being on the road a lot and, and away a lot. Have you have, have you got any plans? Are you winging it? Are you just seeing we're how it lands? It. <laughs> um, we're Beautiful. not winging. We're not winging the birth. Of course. Oh, what um, have you got? We have a plan. Have you got we're, specifics in mind? We do. We are going to a farm. Oh wow! In in um in the south. Yeah. In Tennessee. Amazing. And we are um we're basically going to camp out there and have the baby totally natural with midwives. Oh wow. Um and don't worry there's a hospital down the road. Um <laughs> yeah. but yeah I really um I am very very into having the kid naturally and yeah. if possible um with no drugs and all that. So yeah. 
and we're going to basically go there and and sort of um, you know nest for a yeah. little while to get because you never really know when the kid's going to come. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, I mean, and then we're going to. You've just been on the road. It's good to then go right now. We can yeah, embrace. Gonna, and Neil is solitude. He's, he's going to write, and he has not awesome. had. Uh, he hasn't had a sort of a slowed down moment where he can get in a, a good writing schedule every day. So. It's so crazy for, for for anyone in these creative arts that are often s- solitary arts that mm. as soon as you start to live your dream and succeed at it, you're, you're not allowed to do it anymore. <laughs> There's so many demands. It's yeah. like, no, I want to just write something else. Yeah. Like, no, we've got to promote this and we've got two of this and you've got to quickly come and rejig this and so yeah, on and so and forth. Yeah, and Neil so. has definitely... I mean, he sets himself up for chaos yeah. often. But he is particularly feeling that sting because he's got his hand in so many yeah. millions of pies and he's got, you know, he's always got five dozen friends, you know, who are high caliber, who want introductions from him. And he's he's always struggling to carve out his actual creative time and I think he's using this yeah. baby as a fantastic excuse it's like, I'm sorry off. guys you we're having all, a baby all leave me alone now right. I've got a very legitimate reason for <laughs> exactly. you to fuck off um, and so I we're and after that um, we are not sure what we're going to do I've got a friend I mean if you read the book um, my friend Anthony who's yes. battling with cancer okay. yep. is just taking a turn for the worse which means oh. we're probably going to want to stay around yeah. Boston to kind of abide by him of course and I have no plans to do anything, any any kind of touring or recording because I want to give myself absolute freedom of mind yeah. and not have the next thing planned. Yeah. So I have a feeling I'm going to just go be a breastfeeding, baby-carrying, yeah. you know, absolutely insanely intense maternal thing because I kind of do everything by extremes. So yeah, I figure yeah, I'll do yeah. like extreme mothering. Yeah. Until I decide I have to get back yeah. to work. And then what usually when that happens, when I need to get back to work, I get back to work really quickly. And I build 15 new circuses and off I go and yeah. baby in tow. Amazing. Well, I think it's perfect. Again, a, a beautiful mix. N- not all good, but obviously sad with, you know, a wanting to be around a, a Boston for obvious reasons, but also time to to bring a new a new life into this world. I think it's a wonderful combination of perfect reasons for everyone in the public, on the internet, to leave you the, f- the fuck alone for a bit. <laughs> I think there's a wonderful combination of reasons for them to all to just leave you alone, to go, right, it's time to, but it's being, time to not exist in this world but, for a but minute. But being me, I, of course, I don't want to be left no, alone. Of course not. I just want not. all the nice people to coddle and love me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's... That, and that's perfect. Well, thank you very, very much for taking the time to chat. It's been l- lovely to catch up. I hope the show goes amazingly tonight. I'm sure it will. Thank and how you. many more shows? Your uh, This is the second of two London shows. Yep. And then I'm going to Dulky Book Festival. Yep. Um, I've got a couple shows in Ireland. And then I'm actually coming back to London to work on a project that I have kept secret. Amazing. But I'm about to announce on the internet, and I can tell you now because because awesome. um, of the timing. Yeah, I'm going to be making recordings with one of my all-time favorite idols, Edward Caspell from Legendary Pink Dots. Oh wow! Because he's got a home studio um, in London, and I've been trying to collaborate with him for like six or seven years. Oh, amazing! And this is this is our window. Again, um, it's that kind of right. There's a legitimate reasons for this period to be kept clear. Yeah, that's that's amazing to um, get to. 
and then we're, that in. So we're going to record for about 12 days. We're going to write and record everything from scratch. Perfect. The pressure um, there is, I love, is I often love so driving. Yeah. Um, and then I'm heading home and I'm going to take a little bit of time off at home. And then the last thing I'm going to do before I totally fall off the baby cliff <laughs> yeah. is I'm going to spend about a week making a record with my dad. Oh, wow. Um, who's this fantastic guitar player and he has this beautiful rich bass voice um Amazing. and we've he and i have also been talking about wanting to cut a record together for years because he always guests at my shows but yeah. we never really re- and I he sang on my much. first solo record yeah. um and we're just gonna enjoy each other so and do is, a bunch of covers we're not even gonna uh, write all, stuff all gonna be, be covers that's perfect we're just gonna do covers of music we both love leonard cohen and Richard Thompson and uh, John Grant, who I just turned my dad yeah. on to. And we're just going to do fun time in the studio. And That's perfect. Have you got a, a, a set amount of time? Yeah, I think that? we've got about five days in the studio, which is just enough to it's be enjoyable. To to, particularly just to, to, to play with some, some covers. It always killed me. My f- favourite song of all time is, is, is Johnny Hartman and, and, and John Coltrane's version of, of Lush Life. And mm. it's always just felt it's so beautiful and so perfect and impassioned. And I found out years and years after falling in love with it that they had a, basically an extra hour spare at the studio and just and quickly just knocked, it out. knocked it out. And it kills me a little bit inside. It's like it's so <laughs> perfect. And they've just gone, I guess we've got another hour. Let's just, yeah, let's record a couple more. But yeah, yeah. it's great to have that a similar th- a thing of let's just have that time restriction on it and just play what makes us happy to play. And totally. Perfect. Well, I look forward to everything that's ahead and I want to congratulate you along with everyone else listening for, yeah, for all that you have ahead, all, all the joys ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go. That was Amanda Palmer, and what an amazing chat! It was so it was such a pleasure and honour. It feels like the timing was just perfect to to grab her in this moment. Um, it feels like she, she's about to disappear for a while. So it was it was great to get to chat to her and to get to hang out and share that moment. Thank you for tuning in, guys. It means a lot. It'd also mean a lot if you could subscribe. In fact, actually, I should mention beforehand, if you enjoyed this one, there's tons that you might enjoy. If you're on that independent uh, DIY music tip, we've had Frank Turner on. We've had Sage Francis on, who we mentioned in the podcast. We've had... We've we've had Billy Bragg on. If you're a fan of Amanda's a lovely husband, Neil Gaiman, who I'm going to hopefully sit down with in the next month or so then there's we've had some great writers on here too we've had alan moore we've had warren ellis we've had some some really good people so check them out um we've also had a, a josie long and sarah pascoe and gail porter all talking just amazingly strong a women talking beautifully and articulately about their industries about society and about everything so check all of them out we've got a great back catalogue i recommend you you go delve into it i mean we started off with russell brand as the first ever episode so there's a lot in there we've kind of been spiral or going spiraling upwards since they're not spiraling downwards that's wrong if you could subscribe that'd be awesome it's the best way to support for free because 
it means that we have a sudden influx of of listeners um which really helps our chart position um our general download f- f- figures which helps with the sponsorship which helps us keep this free for you so if you could check that out that'd be great subscribe on acast or on itunes or anywhere that that you wish and have it set to automatic download if you can and you will never miss an episode the beautiful thing about the podcast is people tend to find that often the ones that are people they've never heard of are the ones they enjoy the most so, so i recommend doing a bit of that just scrolling through and finding as, as, as someone you don't know and grabbing that but until next week oh and also of course as i mentioned earlier um we're doing a refugee week special on Friday. That really is important. Um, I will be speaking to a refugee and hearing their story, um, which, you know, these are people whose stories aren't told. So to get to tell that to potentially 100,000 listeners is a huge deal. So hopefully you'll all tune in for that one as well as a bonus episode. Um, So yeah, thank you for tuning in and see you all on Friday.